request to start every episode off a little differently. Today's no different. That's right. Engineer Sean Ryan is in the bathroom as I'm starting this episode. He's laughing right now. He's hurrying up. It's the funniest thing I've seen in the last 20 seconds. While he's washing his hands, I will say, welcome everyone to How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the Osip Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack, for along with you as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. This is the first episode, no, the second episode. Calendars are tough for me. This is the second episode of the month of August, the year 2018. And joining us right now, after a successful foray to the bathroom, (laughs) is our producer engineer, Mr. Sean Ryan. Hi, Sean. Well, this is an auspicious way to start our 20th episode. Oh, man, we haven't canceled ourselves yet. No. Hey, how was the bathroom? Uh, pretty good. Did you mention my name and get a good seat? I, it was a great seat. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, as usual, it's you. You get the indoor swimming pool smell because of all the chlorine smell. Or as I like to call it, free real estate. Yeah, <laughs> except it's probably not free. Well, it's free for you. Yeah, I yeah, guess yeah, so. Exactly. <laughs> I get to do work. <laughs> oh man. So anyway, here we are for our twentieth episode, and we haven't canceled ourselves yet. Like I said, this is the second episode of the month of August, the year 2018. And uh, as a reminder, make sure you get in touch with the show, especially this time, because at the end of this episode, we're going to be doing something special where we really need your, your help to, uh, to get involved. But remember, you can email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org. The Facebook address is facebook.com slash osipfoundation. And Twitter is at osipfoundation, hashtag how you play the game. Don't forget, you can go to our website, osipfoundation.org, and click the how you play the game link to uh, submit a story for sportsmanship where we will discuss it on our show. And if possible, we may even have you join us on the show to, uh, to talk about it. So we look forward to everyone submitting those stories so that we can uh, get you more involved. And of course, we want you to keep the conversation going. So without further ado, why don't we just hop into it unless I'm forgetting something? No? No. Okay. So. All right. Let's get right into it. This first story is one that deals with the Washington Nationals and reliever Sean Kelly, who you might remember is a former New York Yankee. Sean Kelly uh, was uh, a member of the Nationals bullpen recently, and you might... As recently as as yesterday? No, a couple of weeks ago, I think. Two weeks, one week ago. Oh, it was that, it far, was, it yeah. was that far ago? Yeah, hold on, let me look at a date here. Okay, I it thought was, it happened more recently. It, this this story is dated August first, oh, okay. so you know it was you know within calendars exactly diagrams of dates. I can't do it. Uh, well, you can't adult, let alone human. No. So, but that's why we yeah. hang out because we're the same person. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, the Mets suffered a historic loss uh, that Tuesday night, which I believe was the thirty first of July, and that loss was by the score of twenty five to four or as we call it, 25 or 6 to 4. <laughs> I'll leave now. Right. <laughs> so anyway. Not through the garage. No, no, not through the garage. <laughs> That's a different story, one that causes us to drink. Um, what happened was Sean Kelly had to come in in the ninth inning. At the time, the score was 25 to 1. Okay? And his task was to close out the game. 
You got a 24-run lead. I think it's pretty safe. Well, he gave up a two-run homer to Austin Jackson, and following the home run, Kelly threw his glove to the ground and glared toward the dugout, as if to say, I can't believe you're putting me in this game, or something along those lines. Right. The next day, Kelly was designated for assignment, and Mike Rizzo, the GM, basically ripped him on the way out, saying, quote, you're either in or you're in the way, and he was in the way. And he said that what's, what Kelly did by slamming his glove to the ground was selfish. And frankly, it was selfish, okay? You're, you just, just go in there in a 25-1 to 1 game and get out. So you give up a home run, who cares? Just keep going. Just keep going, okay? Just, get, just put it in play. I mean, something. Right. Um, Kelly, instead of, uh, and he blamed the collapse on arguments with the umpires who were pestering about his pace. I mean, he basically was just giving every other excuse in the book. Um, to be honest with you, when I look at Kelly's story, I understand where he's coming from because if you go back and watch the tape, there were times where he was being pestered by both the home plate umpire and the second base umpire about pace and about stopping and balking and this, that, the other. So there's, there were a lot of things going on. And it's very possible that he could have thrown his glove down in frustration and glared in the dugout as if to say, can you believe what these umpires are doing to me or something mm-hmm. like that, which in itself, again, isn't necessarily right, but it's the opposite the, the, of, of what you know, they're claiming happened based upon his selfish nature of um, being in mop-up duty in that game. Right. So, you know, according to, according to this story... And then who is the, Go ahead. the the GM? Mike Rizzo. Mike Rizzo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. According to this story, uh, his teammates Ryan Madsen and Max Scherzer approached him uh, after the, the dugout, patted him on the back, and the and the manager even said that uh, this was the, this whole thing was due to frustration with umpires and other other things, not necessarily being in a mop up game. Now, in addition to that, if you look at, at Kelly's stats. To that point, he had a 3.34 ERA in 32 and a third innings, which isn't terrible for a reliever. I mean, it's solid. I wouldn't call it all-star worthy, but it's a solid year, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Washington Nationals are in a, a very interesting spot right now because they were supposed to be the team to beat in the NL East, and they find themselves, you know, hovering between five and six games back behind both the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies. And the, right. the dialogue that's been happening over the course of this season is, when's the other shoe going to drop? When are the Phillies and the Braves going to drop back to the pack? They can't be that good. You know, everyone kind of thought they, they were both up-and-coming teams. Maybe mm-hmm. they were each a year away from contending. Right. And so people are kind of wondering, okay, are the national, can the Nationals still make a move? And the obvious answer with math is yes. Anything can happen at this point. Yeah. But... You know, you get the sense that what Mike Rizzo did by DFAing him was due to trying to make a statement in the clubhouse, and that for whatever reason, something else is going on deep within. I was going to say the chemistry of that. It team. can't just be about the glove, right? It it. I mean, if you look at it this way, one, they were up by what nineteen runs, twenty four runs, twenty five to oh, one. Oh, twenty five to one. Okay, yeah. so I mean. Math is hard too, right? It is really yeah. difficult. But so there's almost nothing really at stake. I right. mean, you're so if you're frustrated with the umpires in a game where 
you're pretty much sweeping the mm-hmm. other team. What? I mean, is it just the adrenaline or there's got to be something deeper? In I, w- I think there's got to be something else. Well, I would even say that how can you, I mean, I don't even understand how you can get adrenaline going in that game, you know? Right. Coming into a 25 to 1 game. There's almost no adrenaline. There's yeah. nothing that's you know that's forcing you to compete right there. Right. It's kind of like coming into a spring training game. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't have the same juices flowing. There's no urgency, right? You don't have this pressure. You don't have this you know th- that intangible aspect. It's just not there. Okay, so he was DFA'd, and then when was he traded? He was then traded. Uh, can't remember the exact date, but then they 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 sent him to the Oakland Athletics, and it was because there was conf- conflicting points of view. I guess so. I mean, I, I, I just see. I just seems like there's some someone's not telling us everything. Right. If you listen, if you go back and you read op-ed stories about the Washington Nationals to this point. You will see everything from Dave Martinez, their manager, doesn't have the clubhouse, to this is a dysfunctional clubhouse, to um, everyone's worried about the Bryce Harper saga. To mm-hmm. you know, there there are there are so many potential reasons why this team is not in first place, especially when you have stars like a Max Scherzer and a Bryce Harper who are supposed to be leading the way. You know. Hmm. Um, but to DFA a guy because he threw his glove to the ground like that. I think it was a trigger move. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I think there was just so much boiling over the pot that, yeah. that just that one droplet of water just hit the, hit the fire on the stove. Right, and, right. Like, I, I just feel like that's what caused it I to, agree. I agree. to it's, explode. It's a shame because... And someone had to be a casualty of exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. And... and you know, a lot of questions were asked the next day, like, should someone's actions on the field be a reason for their removal from a team's roster? And it was kind of split. Some people said, yes, you're a professional. You should be able to uphold sportsmanship and blah, 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 blah. And other people said, no, if it's not directly affecting the outcome of the game, one has nothing to do with the other. And I don't think that either answer is necessarily right or wrong. You know, obviously there are certain things that, you know, are behavior related on the field that do warrant a a discipline like being DFA'd. And there are certain things behavior wise on the field that just require, you know, talking to someone behind closed doors. Was Kelly wasn't ejected, was he? No. But isn't throwing equipment? Ejection. It's worthy. Here's here's how that works. When you throw equipment, an umpire has the ability to issue what they call uh, an equipment violation, which is basically you point it out, you report it, and then uh, there's usually a fine attached. It's kind of like I thought it warrant. So it doesn't warrant an. It doesn't. It's not an automatic. It's possible. It's certainly po- like like listen. If you strike out looking at a pitch and you slam your helmet down, an umpire right. isn't has every right to eject you for the, for that. And I've done that before. I've I've tossed people for throwing equipment when they're clearly frustrated over a call. 
to throw equipment over uh, giving up a home run doesn't, I mean, you, you're, you are not necessarily attaching that to uh, the call of an umpire. You know, now mm-hmm. it could be, for example, okay, a two-two pitch that's really close. Wait, could he have been ejected for that? I mean, listen, if he got ejected for that, it's certainly possible that 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 would have been warranted. But I would surmise that a lot of people would look at that and go, "That didn't. That was a. That would have been a, a, a trigger move on an umpire's part because right. you're not. In his case, you're not showing up an umpire by doing that. His frustration." from that did not come because of a situation like a 2-2 pitch that he thought was a strike was called a ball and then the next pitch is a home run right okay that that is something where you could you could say he should have been ejected but if you know if it's if what if it's an 0-0 pitch it's the first pitch of an Mm at-bat and a guy hits a home run and you throw your glove you're gonna is an umpire gonna do something about that what was just out of curiosity what was the um the, the pitch. I, I I don't remember what the count was in that in that particular situation, mm. but um, I mean I would look more at the fact that when after he threw the glove, he didn't look at an umpire. He looked into his dugout. Mm. It's interesting. I think another reason maybe why an ejection is less likely to happen is because the pitcher is not really close in mm-hmm. proximity right. to the umpire. Whereas if a batter throws down his helmet, it could have the possibility to bounce up and right. hit someone. Right. And you so, can, I mean, you can hear what he's saying when you're right there right. too, you know? Yeah. So I feel like, I feel like it's more masked when, when you're farther away. Right. So maybe that's another reason. I just think that the, the, the major point of contention here is, you know, we talk about sportsmanship all the time, obviously. Mm-hmm. What Kelly did by throwing his glove to the ground in a vacuum, philosophically, yeah, it's a it's an act of poor sportsmanship for whatever reason. We'll no one will ever really know the true reason. Okay, did it warrant a punishment of him being released by the Nationals and sent to the Athletics? I don't know. I my guess is probably not. I would have probably t- brought him behind. You know, if I'm Mike Rizzo, if I'm the GM and I'm not happy with that move, at the very least, I'm going down to the clubhouse. I'm pulling him into a closed room and I might light into him and just say, what are you doing? How dare you do that? Don't ever do that again. Mm-hmm. But I'm not DFAing him. I'm not, yeah. not going to you know, take him off the roster and trade him. Especially if, you're in, if he's having a good year. And you're, which, he which you kind of was, was yeah. and you want to, and you're gonna, uh, you want to, you know, stay in this race. Yeah, especially this late in the you season. Know? It's not like what he did was, you know, he flipped off the crowd and then walked. <laughs> you know, okay, that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, that I don't care if he's Nolan Ryan. If he does that, uh, he's gone. Yeah, okay, that's, there, there, there are. <laughs> it's not. It's not as black and white as we like to believe it is sometimes. Right. Which I think is funny because, you know, you would think that from our perspective as a sportsmanship organization, we might come down on Kelly and just say, this was, this was deserved, how dare he do this, blah, 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 blah. And we're saying, no, he shouldn't have thrown his glove, but it really wasn't necessary to, to DFA him. Right. You know? So. I think there's just too much cooking inside that clubhouse. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and there's just, just too much drama. I think maybe that was just the, 
the tipping point. Yeah, oh, I, I think so. So I think so. Uh, the, the the positive side to all this is that maybe maybe that was it. Yeah. Maybe now it's going to simmer, and the Nationals are going to are going to benefit from you know, that. Yeah. You know? Maybe maybe he maybe Rizzo did this as sort of. Um, Kind of like firing the manager to to get a team teach going. A lesson, exactly. Teach a lesson. Yeah. 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 Anyone else does this, you're next. Right. You know. And now no one else is going to do right. it. So. Ironically, though, you know, they sent him to the Athletics, who are very hot right now, and could very easily be in the playoffs this year. And you just made them better. Right. So, <laughs> I just find that kind of interesting. So moving on, hmm. here's here's a story. This is a conversation that I had via Twitter, with the Yes Network's Chris Sheeran. You might know Chris. How is Chris? Chris is a, he's fantastic. I think he just celebrated a birthday, so a belated happy oh, birthday, happy birthday to, Chris to, to Chris Sheeran. Uh, you might know Chris from uh, Batting Practice TV, BPTV, and all the other stuff he does with the Yes Network. He's an on-camera personality. He has his own podcast called And We're Off, which is a fantastic thing. Okay. You know, I suggest yep. people check that out as well. Great. Um, I know I've never met Chris in person, but I've developed a relationship with him thanks to my other friend Lou DiPietro, mm-hmm. um, who I also have never met in person, but I've interviewed him plenty of times when I hosted the radio show. Um, so, if you hearken back to the four-game series where the Yankees got swept by the Red Sox, okay, one of the things that kind of stood out a little bit uh, was the umpiring. Not that it was ever significantly bad. I don't think there were any... Oh, there was one ejection in the series. Alex Cora was ejected because there was some some bean brawl stuff happening. You, you know, no one ever actually fought, but people were throwing at people. And in, I think it was the Friday night game, um, what happened was Brett Gardner got hit to lead off the game. Whether it was intentional or not, I don't know. And then... When Luis Severino came out in the bottom of the first, the very first pitch was up and in to, I think it was Mookie Betts, at which point the umpire issued warnings saying, that's enough. Next one who does this. Exactly. So Alex Cora comes out and gets tossed for arguing the warnings. It was, yeah, let's not get into that. That's not really the point here. Okay. But anyway. The crew that was working that series was uh, Phil Cuzzy was the acting crew chief because it was Tom Hallion's crew, but Tom was on uh, injury leave. He had taken a ball off the mask in a game in Philadelphia a couple weeks prior oh, yeah, against I, the Dodgers. It was that game that went 16 innings. I remember that. And, and uh, he took him and he tried to stay in, but he had to come out of the game. He was, I think he was concussed. Ooh. So, or at least he was dizzy and what, you know, so he, he was experiencing the symptoms of a concussion probably. Mm. So they took him out and he was on injury leave as a result. So Cuzzy was the acting crew chief and the other umpires on that crew were Dan Bellino, um, Adam Hamari and Chris Conroy. Adam Hamari, you might remember, was the call up umpire from a couple of years ago who ejected Noah Syndergaard in that whole thing with, uh, uh, the that we talked about in a previous episode, the in the jackpot stuff. Where, oh, yeah. yeah, so he was the home plate umpire for that. Uh, Dan Bellino was also on that crew. He was the third base umpire, and uh, Chris Conroy, uh, who's an, who's a newer guy. He's a full time guy. He's actually uh, local to this area. He's from he's from somewhere in eastern Pennsylvania, I believe. Oh wow, okay. Um, I only know that because he and uh, Alan Porter, our other 
local umpire have both hung out and played golf with my good friend Mike Provine, the former minor league umpire. Oh, okay. So, anyway, uh, Bellino was on plate Friday night, had kind of a rough game. Uh, Cuzzy was on the plate Saturday. There were a couple of close pitches that could have gone either way. And Conroy was on the plate Sunday, and uh, the same kind of thing happened. So by the time Sunday had rolled around, both teams were really making a, I don't want to say a stink, but were not very pleased with the strike zones of the umpires over the course of that weekend. Um, now, in my opinion... In my view, as I do my Tim McCarver, <laughs> as I'm watching these games, obviously not every umpire is going to get every call correct, but a lot of the close pitches, although they might have been strikes according to the K-Zone box that they now have on every broadcast, mm-hmm. uh, I understand How why. How do you feel about that? Terrible. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. Not accurate and does a disservice to umpiring. Because, let's face it, you can't tell from the box on, on your couch if it's a, really a strike, and the the way that the catcher receives the ball has has a, an influence on it. Shouldn't it be more of a cube yeah, instead of a box? Absolutely, absolutely should yeah. be. But obviously, you know, you can't tell three dimensions. Just just put a cube there. Okay, just cube. Yeah, just put a cube. Okay, you get on that, buddy. I'll do my best. Write a letter. I will. Okay. <laughs> so, like, there was one pitch that Conroy missed, or quote unquote missed where according to K-Zone, it was a strike, but he called it a ball. And I think Austin Romine was catching at that point. Was it point. like right at the edge? It was It was right at the bottom of the strike zone. And what happened was the way that Romine caught it, he, he caught it and then his glove or his mitt moved up probably a good two to three inches as he, as he received the pitch. And a little known... Just trying to frame it? Yeah, a little known fact to anyone who's wondering or who thinks they know how to frame pitches or anything like that. When a catcher's mitt moves that much in the act of receiving a pitch, you are telling the umpire the pitch was not a strike, and he's pulling it into the strike zone to make it look like a strike. You're not fooling anybody. Right. Okay? And I don't understand why more people don't understand this, but it's the truth. (laughs) Catch it, hold it, squeeze it, stick it, we call it. Mm -hmm. But... So, and I just looked, you know, the camera looked over and Aaron Boone was lighting into to Chris Conroy for what missing what he thought was a, a you know, wrong call there. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the point that I'm trying to get at here with Chris Sheeran is, so Didi Gregorius and Sandy Leone, the catcher for the Red Sox, were at second base at one point late in this game on Sunday night, and they were both lamenting to each other about the strike zone. And Chris tweets out, players may be enemies on different teams, but they always have the common enemy, umpires. So, you know, Chris and I started talking about this via Twitter, and I basically said, it's nice that players from other teams can get along, but it's a shame that umpires are considered the bad guy. And Chris tweets back, as Bruce Hornsby sang, that's just the way it is. Some things will never change. So first of all, Chris, you owe royalties to Bruce Hornsby. (laughs) But the philosopher in me says... It, does it have to be that way? Do we have to hate umpires because of that? And I would submit no. Why Why is it that umpires have to be considered the bad guys as a result of this? 
Hmm. You know? Yeah. No, I just, you're right. I just it does. I, I don't get it. It's a it's a it's a shame that. But that, but here's the thing. I mean, I'm not I'm not. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it from a sort of a double-edged sword because it's, if you look at it from a camaraderie point of view, right? you're breeding good sportsmanship in a way by coming together to complain about the same thing. Right. But on the other hand, it's sort of bad sportsmanship directing that frustration towards the umpires. Right. So... And that was my point. Was that it's, it's nice it's, that te- that you know, players from the yeah, Yankees and the Red Sox can get along, right? But it shouldn't be because you should agree that oh, we hate that guy. Yeah, you know, unless that guy is Hitler, right? Then I think we can agree. Yeah. But last time I checked, Chris Conroy is not Hitler. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just I just think that if you look at I guess maybe it depends on the nature of the of the I mean we don't know the the tone in their voices right right so they may have just been I just they're, they're not, it's not like they're actively complaining to the media right, or, or right. they're 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 making anything more of it it was casual it would conversation be, right. right so I mean is being a casualty of casual conversation <laughs> Um, I mean, I've been a casualty of casual conversation before as a teacher. Right, I mean, of course, I mean, yeah. We all have. We all have, yeah. You know, I don't look at that as, oh, they hate me. You know, I, I, I think of it as maybe they're just frustrated and, you know, you, you sort of take those kinds of situations with a grain of salt, you know, depending on, depending on the mood. Right. Depending on, you know, now if they act on it, you know, and say, um, you know, if they if they're next at bat, for example, they're they're, you know, talking smack right at the umpire. Well, they'd be ejected right. first of all. Right. But but then but then yeah, that's not that's not good. Right. But if you're just sort of in the middle of the field and you're just like you know you're just bantering, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not the best situation, but there are worse situations. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. There are, ton, there are there are tons worse situations. But I think it's a debate to be had. In that, yeah. you know, why is it that bonding has to occur over the general disagreement of one person's judgment? You know, put your let's put it this way. Put yourself. You talked about a, a situation where you've been a casualty of casual conversation as a music teacher. Mm-hmm. Okay. Put yourself in a situation akin to that, where you thought to yourself, as you know about this, what I'm doing as a music teacher is what I believe is right. Okay. And you probably, when you find out that you're a casualty in this casual conversation, that you have to stick to your guns. You oh, of course. you have you know what you're doing is right in your oh, heart, absolutely, and you have to stick by it, right? Okay, but at the same time, isn't there a part of you that feels? It's not remorse. It's it's maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's hurt, maybe it's something. There's something there that's not right, where you're like, why aren't these people getting it? 
Oh yeah, it sucks. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm not- a, and that, that's that's I think my point is that you know, especially as umpires in this case who are expected to be perfect and then get better. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we always talk about how umpires sometimes have egos. Actually, not unlike music. (laughs) Right, exactly. But we talk about how umpires, some umpires have egos, and we get into the egotistical side of umpiring, things like that. What if Chris Conroy is this guy who has no ego and who just wants to do the best possible job, and he finds out that this is what, what people think of his strike zone? You know, because I, I can tell you uh, from my personal experience, when I've been in that situation where I have been the, vic- the the casualty of casual conversation as an umpire, I walk off the field sometimes feeling pretty dejected, thinking, I just put my heart and soul into this game. I thought I called a pretty good game, and these people don't appreciate it. And it's not that I'm getting mad at these people for not appreciating my work. I'm getting upset that I didn't please them. I feel like I have failed from a customer service standpoint, hmm. you know? So that, that I think, is more of the question here. It's not so much of pointing fingers. It's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's about the intangible emotion that goes into both sides of this, of, of this situation, how it relates from that situation to the other examples that I've given, hmm. where we have to take a step back and say, well, what if I was in that situation? How would I feel? You know, maybe the bigger message here is for us when we're in situations like where Gregorius and Leon were talking, maybe if we're in the situations that they are, we should we should think twice about what we're going to say. Maybe that's the message here. True. You know, maybe the message is for us to take a step back and say, yeah, I didn't agree with that call, but it is what it is and I got to right. move on. Right. You know? But then if you look at it, not to drag this on any further than it needs to be dragged on, but if I'm, if I'm a music teacher, well, I am a music teacher, but last time I checked. Yeah. Um, By the way, you're fired. <laughs> it had to happen eventually. Yeah. But if I'm hearing, overhearing two students talking smack about me or just complaining, as a person who's an adult and in a position of authority, I have to look at it from a, I have to look at the forest for the trees and I have to say, okay, maybe there's something else going on that I don't know about. Right. One, two, I was once in that situation. Maybe, I mean, I remember complaining about music teachers I've had in the past for things that I, at the time I was maybe too naive and too young about to realize before but the point is that <clears throat> you know everyone has a bad day and if i think you have to look at this from both sides i i think that what you know who was it Didi Gregorius and and Sandy Leone and Sandy Leone at second base yeah I mean, I'm sure some of the stuff they said wasn't it was was less than desirable, but you know, as an umpire, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I've never been an umpire. I've never been in an umpire's shoes. They're heavy shoes, by the way. I bet they are. Yeah. Um, considering the scope of the job that I'm doing, and yes, would I would I feel dejected? I'm sure a part of me would feel dejected and you know, sort of 
not disenfranchised, but I guess a little bit of remorse, as mm-hmm. you say. But but as an adult and as a person who's doing their job, you have to expect that at times people are going to be, not that I'm saying it's right, but that at times people are going to not agree with the calls that you're making. And as a result, I mean, maybe use that as sort of ammunition to... Again, not that you're wrong, right. but to, to improve and to try to do better and look at that as, okay, these guys are just frustrated and, you know. Not take I'm, it personally. I'm just going to continue. Yeah. Right. Because I know I'm doing a good job and they're just upset. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. Right. Like, you got to look at it from both sides. Right. Um, so, I don't know. One could, I guess, it's an interesting debate. Well, let me throw this at you because I know we're dragging this on, but you've, you've raised some interesting points that I mm-hmm. think need to be looked at. Mm-hmm. Compare this to the situation that you said where you overhear two students talking about you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there a difference between the fact that if you're the music teacher and you hear two youth students, two youths, if you're my cousin Vinny, <laughs> okay. Uh, if you hear them talking smack about you versus if you hear two adults talking about you, because I would argue that, all right, if I'm a music teacher, which I also kind of am, if I hear two students talking bad about me, I think to myself, they're kids. They don't know any better. I know I'm right. It's very easy to shrug this off. Mm. Much like it's very easy to shrug it off if I'm umpiring a Little League game and two 12-year-olds are, are upset at my calls. Mm-hmm. They're, they're kids. It's a lot easier just to be like, whatever. Okay. Right. Now, when two parents of the kids are upset, whether it be in music or in baseball, how does that then relate to this situation with Gregorius and Leon and Conroy? Because then, now you've got two mm. people who are, although in different positions of power, right? To, you know, these are adults now. If you want to slice the bologna even more thin, <laughs> do we say, you know, do we say <laughs> does it make a difference if it was Gregorius and Leon versus Aaron Boone and Alex Cora, the two managers? You know, how how much do we want to do we want to go down this rabbit hole? Hmm. That's an interesting point. And I think my answer to that would be in a lot of situations, especially today, the parents of these students know just as much about music as the student. Where, where, unless they've taken an instrument themselves. Right. Um, so I, I would say that it's just, it's interesting. I, it's, it's an interesting perspective to look at it. Because um, parents, a lot of the time, have, um, I would say, probably a little bit more of an idea of what's going on just from growing up and maturing as an adult. But in the field of music, how many parents do you know, you know, who have who have who have taken music lessons at their child's age? Most parents that I've dealt with um, have not experienced that situation. So I guess overall I would say that, you know, the the 
it could go either way. Um, it would definitely have to, it would definitely go either way. And I don't think I would feel as, I don't think I would, I, I, I might take offense to it initially, depending on what they said, depending on how they said it. Cause again, it's on, it's all in how you say it. Um, but if it was something based on what I was teaching them, I'd say, well, you don't really know what you're talking about. I, I wouldn't say that to them, but I would, but that's what I would, I would say, well, you, you, like if they ask like, why are they, why are they practicing scales all the time? I'm like, well, that's sort of important for their musical development. Um, and I would just sort of dismiss that because they wouldn't, they wouldn't necessarily know any better. But if they're judging me based on my character, um, then we would have a conversation about that and say, well, you don't really know me beyond the scope of me teaching your child music. So I, I, I would, to a certain degree, take offense to that. Um, but here's the difference. If I'm overhearing and two parents talking about me and they don't think I hear them and they're, you know, they're saying, oh man, you know, he's, he's really telling my kid to practice a lot and he's kind of tough on my kid. And I'm like, I would think I would be like, well, yeah, I am because I, I want them to be good. I want them to be better than they are now. And, you know, in a position where parents haven't taken lessons before music lessons, they, they might they might not know any better. So and especially if they if I know that they don't think they they can't hear me. They right. I can't hear them. I can't talk. <laughs> then I would say then I would just sort of dismiss it. But if they were saying that to my face, then I would say, well, the reason why I'm doing I would explain to them why I'm doing it and hopefully try to get them to understand. So what was I talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? I think like, Hitler is what you were talking about. Well, yeah. But um, no, you, you, I think you're right. And you raise an interesting point about that because, you know, from the standpoint of umpiring, I think what you're saying then is that we need to, as umpires, rise above it because these players and these coaches don't know what they're talking about. And when, when a, you know, unless you know that a person is an active umpire who happens to be coaching or playing, you don't. You just don't have the same clout well, at this, that point, you and, know? And this goes along the lines of that test that, uh, of, that managers, players took. Right, exactly. The one that Aaron Boone got one out of ten on. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a perfect example. Right. You know, you, don't, you mean, there's so many rules and so many ways to interpret a rule that you got to take something like that with a grain of salt. You got to yeah. rise above it. Yeah. So it's a tough one because yeah. I know it's, it's a, it, when you're in the heat of that moment, when as an umpire, it is a tough thing to rise above. Yeah. It's, it's probably a lot easier to rise above as a music teacher right. than it is as an umpire. Or depending yeah. on when it was brought up. Right. Like if, if it was after a game and things have kind of settled down, all right, fine. But if yeah. it's like in the middle of the game and you know you know that you're struggling or you're having some tough calls. Right. Or even if you don't think you are. Right. You know? 
So that's a tough one. Yeah, that's a tough one. It's a good debate to have, though. Really good, and debate. really needs to be an, a more open conversation. Absolutely, you know. Okay, so let's move on. Let's yeah. move on to a little segment that we've done before called DQ Review. Oh, I love this okay. one. Okay. Yeah. We're going to go over some ejections here. Great. The first two ejections actually come from um, Independent League Baseball. Okay. Okay. This one comes from an Independent League game between the Chicago Dogs and the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks of the American Association. And basically what happened was... With one on and none out, batter Brennan Metzger, uh, who I believe is from is from Fargo Moorhead, took a three two pitch from pitcher Trevor Sims for a called third strike as the base runner stole third. Okay, all right. Metzger then decided to argue with home plate umpire Mike Jarbo, and eventually was ejected. At which point. Uh, Metzger went on in a generous dose of, of uh, profane insults and complaints um, that was picked up by microphones, had to be restrained by the coach. Um, you know, r- ridiculous in itself, especially mm-hmm. since you're playing independent league baseball. Sorry you're not in the show, you know? <laughs> I, feel, I feel like the, the, the mannerisms are worse the farther down yep. it. It's true. Baseball, you go. Just wait. It gets better. Oh, I'm. I can't okay. wait. I can't wait. So, the the manager Michael Schlack uh, gets him away. Metzger goes into the dugout as the manager continues to talk with the umpire. Metzger comes back out of the dugout with a large trash can, places it right behind home plate. Doesn't dump it but places it right on home plate, right behind home plate. And as he's walking by the conversation of the umpire and the manager, looks right back at the umpire and goes, go to your home. Oh, oh my God. As if he's, <laughs> as if he's in Happy Gilmore <laughs> trying to send that ball home. Are you too good for your home? <laughs> wow. And, and as our good friend Gil Ember wrote up, Holy Quote, who's to say if the umpire even saw Metzger's juvenile antics and they wonder why there is an officiating shortage? Wow. Are there even words for that? That's something right out of a movie. How ridiculous is that? Oh, my God. And I think an even bigger indictment or an equal indictment is the fact that the fans were cheering him. For his actions. And then, of course, some poor stadium worker had to come out and take the, tr- the trash can and put it back. I mean... He did receive a suspension, by the way. Okay, good. Yeah. And I thought the Phil Wellman uh, oh, breakdown was bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, not to be outdone... They'd, the the series between these two teams was then renamed the Shortage of Sportsmanship series in, really? by, oh, by Gil Ember because it says here the next day in a new article, quote, not to be outdone, Chicago Dogs manager Butch Hobson then challenged uh, Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks player Brennan Trashcan Metzger for the Lack of Sportsmanship Award of the series in his ejection just a day later, care of same umpire Mike Jarbo, who's now at third base. Oh, come on. All right. the, the next day, 
Jarbo ejected Hobson for arguing a safe call at third base. Uh, with two out and two on, uh, the batter hit a ground ball to the third baseman um, who fielded the ball, raced to tag third base uh, as the runner slid in, ruled safe by Jarbo, thus allowing the inning to continue. After leaving the dugout to argue the call, Hobson earned himself an ejection from a calm and collected Jarbo as the broadcaster predicted fireworks from Hobson on par with Monday's Metzger mess. Hobson then made a beeline for third base, picked up the base itself, and handed it to a spectator before leaving the field. The Dogs and Red Hawks uh, concluded their series, blah, 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 sidebar. On a related note, Metzger received a one-game suspension for Tuesday's ejection, having doubled down on what he said was a garbage decision Monday night, found himself in a parody public service announcement about trash pickup. The sad part, too, was that the fact that a poor stadium worker had to go to uh, the kid who got the base and said, we actually kind of need this to, to put it back. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that, I mean, yeah. oh, man. Are there words? Uh, in the same series. Are there, in the with same, the same series, umpire. Is, are there words? I mean, this is a kangaroo court. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. And Jarbo was like smiling through the whole thing because he's just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> well, he's I would a, be too. He's just like, talk about someone who knows how to rise above the fray. I would. He's just like, really? This is really how this I is could going? I just picture him with his arms crossed, just... Just, yep, yep. Ridiculous. So, wow. Just... I'd just like to point those out. Wow, that was... Thank you for sharing. I mean, those are ejections where, you know, we, we talk about these reviews of ejections uh, from the standpoint of trying to analyze why people do this stuff and to, quote unquote, shame them for their actions. We don't even have to say anything. Yeah. I mean, actions speak to them for themselves. Exactly. I guess the only thing you can say is if you're laughing at this, it's okay so long as you understand that these oh. people are ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's like, it's like a really bad movie. That winds up being funny because it's so bad. Exactly. It's Mars Attacks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or or like The Room. Right. With Tommy Wiseau. Uh-huh. And, and it just, it was so bad that it gained a cult following. Right. And, 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 but, but, but that, I mean, that's exactly what I'm, I'm seeing here. Like this is, this situation is so theater of the absurd, uh-huh. as you say. Uh, I love it. It's, it's. I mean, they could make it into a movie. It's starring Tim and Eric. Yeah, you know. I mean, I, that would that would be great. I would so go. I mean, listen, that that movie, free real estate. <laughs> the following podcast is intended for Jim Booney only. There's like three people in the world who listen who, to this podcast who know what we're talking about, right? So we'll on. have to we'll have to we'll have to compensate exactly. Tim and Eric yeah. Is. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> One more ejection in DQ review. This one happened very recently. Home plate umpire Greg Gibson ejected Nationals left fielder Juan Soto and hitting coach Kevin Long over arguing a strike call uh, in a previous at-bat in a Washington Nationals game. We're back to the Nationals, oh, okay? Man. They're on stage today. Exactly. Let me read this from Gil here. With none out and none on in the bottom of the sixth inning, Soto argued balls and strikes from an earlier at-bat with Gibson as he stepped into the batter's box, resulting in ejection. 
In the bottom of the fourth inning, Soto led off the frame by taking a 3-2 slider from Braves pitcher Mike Fultonavich for a called third strike. Replays indicate the pitch was located over the inner edge of home plate and above the hollow of the knee, and that all pitches during the at-bat were properly officiated. Therefore, the call was correct. Not to leave you outdone, to, li- to read you the, uh, the alliteration title, Soto's second strikeout scan sees stuck, uh, suckling sacked after uh, specious suit. I can't even read it. That's because it's... Wait, let me see You that. want to see it? It's the last line here on this page. You want to try it? Solo's second strikeout. Soto, not solo. I'm solo. I'm thinking of Han Solo. Mm. I want to see that movie again. Soto's second strikeout... Soto's second strikeout scan sees suckling sacked after spit... Spe- Specious? Specious? Spe- specious? Specious suit. What is specious? I don't know, but the fact of the matter is we can't get through so that second sentence. strikeout scan sees suckling sacked after specious suit. So, great job by Gil on that wow, one. that was out. Yeah. That's awesome. By the way, as a quick shameless plug, uh, Gil's new episode of his podcast just came out with um, retired umpire Dale Scott, the first openly gay umpire oh, wow. in, in major sports officiating. So if you get a chance, check that out. Anyway, back to this. The reason I brought this up is because of the nature of the ejection. So Soto strikes out in the fourth inning on a pitch he disagreed with. Mm-hmm. All right? He has his say. He walks off. He comes up to bat his next time in the sixth inning, and as he's stepping into the box, he, he picks up the argument right where he left off with Greg Gibson. Gibson goes... It's like he wants to be a Exactly. Guy. Gibson leads and says, what'd you say? Basically, like, really, are we doing this? And as he keeps going, then he ejects him. Okay. The fact of the matter is that you can't pick up that argument and not expect something to happen. Right. It's absolutely ridiculous to think that Greg Gibson is going to just let that go. I mean, he let him have his say the first time. Was he the crew chief? Or um, no, he's not the crew chief. Okay. I think that's Jerry Lane who was the crew chief in that. But, but hasn't Greg Gibson been doing this for a while? Yes. He's been doing he's, it for Yes, a while. He's, he's like a number two man on the crew, I think. So he's, okay. you know, he's up there. Okay? And the reason that I think that this even picks up more steam beyond just my opinion and my take on this is that when you listen to some of the commentaries on this ejection, like I, I listened to Mark DeRosa who uh, you know is an MLB personality on MLB Network? Okay. Okay. Yeah. He hosts uh, MLB Central from mm-hmm. ten to one, um, and then he also does some other things for the network. So he was doing an interview with Chris Mad Dog Russo, and they asked him about it, and he said, "You know, this one." He goes, "This is on Greg Gibson. He should have the you know Soda should have the ability to have a conversation with him." And then he goes, "I know Greg Gibson. I came up through the minors with Greg Gibson. Greg Gibson thinks that he can you know ha- you know basically be the father figure to to players and put people in their place and blah 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 blah." And I'm just like, "Stop! Just stop now! There's nothing to do just with that. stop right now, Derosa. You are clearly taking a position of backing all b- baseball players and saying players are always right, umpires are always wrong. It's like going back to the argument with Chris Sheeran." Yeah. Why are umpires the bad guy? Why are they the common ground of what we can all hate on? It shouldn't be that way. And for once, I actually gave credit to Chris Russo for taking the other side of it, saying, listen, it's, he's a 19-year-old kid. He had his say. What is he doing bringing it up again? It's ridiculous. Then 
Bruce Shine, who we've, we've talked about, the producer for High Heat, who who offers commentary on the show, sides with DeRosa, saying, "I don't need Greg Gibson to you know make it about him." Blah 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 blah. And I'm just it's like, not about I'm him. Like, it's not about him. I just no matter what happens, these people continue to embarrass themselves by coming up with these opinions. This is not about Greg Gibson. In fact, Greg Gibson is probably saying. Why you know like basically like why are you doing this? He's not making it about himself. He's like this is this is absolutely ridiculous that you people continue to do this. Yeah. So I just I'm down on 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 these guys for you know not only allowing this to happen from a nationals standpoint, but then for the people to have the opinions of the umpires or the bad guys. They're not. They're not the bad guys. Okay, are umpires human? Yes. Do we make mistakes? Yes. Do we let our egos get involved sometimes? Of course, every human being does. However, ninety-nine percent of the time, the umpires are making these decisions, especially when it comes to disqualifications, because people eject themselves. People do this to themselves. So stop making this about the umpires. And start looking within yourself to say, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Maybe this guy was actually actually crossing a line. It's like not studying for a test. And then blaming it on the teacher. teacher yeah. Failing. Exactly. You just earned your failing grade. Right. You know? It's ridiculous. Wow. So so that's DQ review. Great. That was a good one. You like that? So I do very yeah. much. Yeah. You, you like, like that? that? It has been liked. <laughs> Um, let's wrap today with a brand new segment called What's Your Call? Great. All right. Now, this is the one where we're going to need all of our listeners to participate. Okay? So, what we're going to do is, in addition to needing you to send in your comments via email, Facebook, Twitter, etc., we're also going to put a poll up, probably on Twitter, I don't know if I can do it on Facebook. I know it'll be on Twitter. I think you could do it on can Facebook. Can I do it on Facebook too? I think so. Okay. That way you can offer your opinion without actually having to like email us or do anything. You just click a button and vote. Okay? Here's the scenario that happened to me just recently. Oh. Okay? And I want people to offer their opinions because I really think this is a good one. Okay. <clears throat> As you know, I continue to play adult league baseball because I can't give it up, okay? No matter how many times my left shoulder dislocates, there I am playing. So my team, the Mercer Mud Dogs, is playing in the first round of the playoffs this past weekend, which by the time this gets released, it'll be two weekends ago. Okay. All right. I wasn't there because the the way that this had worked was, unfortunately, I couldn't make this game. That's a different story in itself, okay? But the fact of the matter is that I was not there, the manager of the team. I put it in the hands of one of my players who I trust as my manager when I'm not there. We end up losing the game, 9-6, to six, okay? Lost fair and square. Other team beat us. Uh, not even going to get into the complaints that my team brought to me about the umpires, okay? Which is a, a, a different scenario, but not within the scope of of this especially since i wasn't there i can't offer a comment on it blah 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 okay we lost about a day later 
it gets pointed out to me that the team that beat us did not follow league protocol in that to be part of this league, you have to do the following three things. Number one, upload your roster to the league's website. Number two, each person on that roster has to have a headshot for identity purposes to prevent cheating. And number three, you have to upload the statistics of your game as you go through because eligibility for the playoffs depends on those statistics. Basically, it's if you want to play in the playoffs, you have to accumulate either 20 plate appearances or 15 innings pitched during the regular season, which is fair. That's like saying, okay, you're going to have to play like four games to be eligible for the, and out of 22 to be oh, eligible wow. for the playoffs, okay? Wow. You're not, we're not asking a lot. No. Okay, but this stuff is required by the league in order to provide fair play, okay? The team that beat us did not do any of those things. So, I contacted the league commissioner, and I just said, this was reported to me. The next thing I know, a protest is lodged under my name by the league because I pointed this out and the commissioner ultimately rules in favor of us and says, the team that beat you is disqualified. The Mercer Mud Dogs are awarded a 9 nothing victory via forfeit from that game and move to the next round. Saying they had, this team had eight warnings from the commissioner to do these things. Oh. Over the course of the season, this commissioner sent out like eight different emails saying, mm -hmm. you gotta, you gotta upload your roster, headshots, and stats. You gotta do it. It's gotta be done. You have to do it before the playoffs. That's how we know who's eligible. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. The manager of the other team then goes off on me saying, that's lame, that's cheap, you're a sore loser, you, you lost fair and square, you didn't earn it, blah, 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 okay? So the question is, what should I have done? Should I have just said when the person pointed it out to me, now nah, we lost, I'm not doing this? Or should I have said, you know what? I have a fiduciary duty, <laughs> I said duty, <laughs> to my team to raise this concern because my team has the right to play by the rules and if it's the difference between continuing our season and trying to play for a championship and having the season end, I owe it to the other guys on my team, regardless of my opinion, to point this out to the league. Can we discuss it now or should we wait until next? If we discuss it now, let's discuss things without offering our opinions. our opinions 
let's talk let's just toss some ideas back and forth to better dive into the issue so you said you reported this to the commissioner because you felt that in the grand scheme of things it was the right thing to do right okay and i'll give you i'll give you another example because i've done this before and kind of the same thing happened this is about a little less than 10 years ago this is when i'm managing a senior babe ruth team so this is 15 to 19 year old boys playing baseball same kind of situation where there's an online system where your roster has to be uploaded the rosters have to be set by like july 1st no one can join the team after that whoever's on the system online as of july 1st that's that's your league or that's your team whether they're playing or not that's your team okay so as of July 1st, what we would do is we would print out the rosters of every team so that if we were ever playing a game and we saw a lineup card with someone who's not on that roster, we would protest that game. The reason we would do that is because in this area, Senior Babe Ruth is kind of the JV to Legion baseball, which is the varsity. This is for summer baseball. If you you know the, the 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 stigma is that if you're really serious about playing baseball, and again this is kind of a loaded thing, you play Legion baseball, where the better players are supposed to be playing. You play like six or seven days a week. You know it's a it's a it's a real big commitment. Senior Babe Ruth is for the same aged players, but you're playing maybe two games a week, three max. Not a lot of practices, not the big, not not a big time commitment compared to Legion baseball. The, the the quality of players can still be really really good, and I had a lot of really good players on my team who are or, or who were Legion players. But what would happen is a couple of things. First of all, players who were good enough for Legion came to play for me because they had a work schedule or they had a vacation schedule that was not going to mesh with the Legion schedule, so they came and played Senior Babe Ruth. Or, as we've seen in youth sports, Legion Baseball is no different here. It, it grew to a level where people took it way too seriously and kids weren't having fun. So the, these great players would say, I'm not going through this. And they would come play Senior Babe Ruth for me. And we'd have a great time. I mean, we want not, not that championships are everything. Okay, because I've been accused of that before, and, and and I don't like it that I all I care about is winning championships. We've won some, we won a good ch- chunk of championships, but it's because the the quality of players who came to play for me was very very high, because they saw that p- kids were having a better time on my team than they were on the Legion team. Anyway, in one particular season, we were we were about to play a game, and. Uh, we uh, they showed us a roster, or the, we got the lineup card of the other team, and we went and we looked at the uh, the roster that we had, and there was a name on there that didn't match. So we protested, and the coach from the other team went ballistic, basically saying, "How dare you call me a liar? How dare you do this?" Blah blah, you know, like when you went berserk because of it. 
And thankfully, we ended up winning the game, so we dropped the protest. But, you know, it, do, it does damage to the ego. It do, you know, people are, because of the accusations of cheating and this, that, the other. And the fact of the matter is that what would happen is some teams in this league would pull people from the Legion team to come down and play Senior Babe Ruth once their Legion season might be over in order to make the Senior Babe Ruth team that much better and try and win that way rather than doing it the fair way. Because what happens is you can only play one. You can't play both. So to prevent that, the commissioner said July 1st, hard deadline. If you're not on the team by July 1st, you're not on the team. So it's kind of the same thing in that I owed it to my players, I felt, for the sake of fairness to protest that game to say, I don't know if this kid is legal or not. For all I know, it could have been a clerical error on the computer system, which is fine. It happens to everybody, you know? But if this guy's really cheating, I don't want my kids to lose because someone cheated. I want them to lose because they lost, because they got outplayed, you know? So, again, it's kind of a similar thing where can I, can I ask you a question? Absolutely. So if you, let's say if you hadn't reported it. Okay. Would they have been able, why would they have been able, well, first of all, why didn't the commissioner disqualify them if they've never handed in their information? This is, you're talking about my adult league team. Yeah. I think because what, ended up happening in this scenario the commissioner this is like a like a full-time business for them he they managed like i want to say it's like six or seven different leagues oh wow okay okay so they've got their hands full and they can only look at certain things at certain times i if if if, if my understanding of it is correct they just didn't get to it prior to that game You know, they just don't, there's just not enough hours in the day to go through and say, hey, did everyone do this? You know, Mm -hmm. so. So the question then is how far would this team have been able to go without crossing their T's and dotting their I's? I mean, could they have taken home a championship? It's certainly possible. Okay. It's certainly possible. I mean, they were the fifth seed out of six. Okay. So they could have. They could have. They could have. All right. So as Michael Kay says, the fallacy of the the predetermined outcome. outcome, Right. So, all right. So we can't necessarily say that if you hadn't said anything, this wouldn't have happened. This would have happened to them anyway. Right. Okay. That's an interesting. It's a very interesting situation. I'm curious yeah. to see what our listeners come up with. Did you hear different different story? Okay, real quick. Uh, Hernandez on the Phillies that bunt that wound up being a home run. Did yes, you see that? Yes, I did. The, the little league home run. Right, they called the little that. league home yeah. run by the former. Wasn't it a former Phillies pitcher that pitched to him? I think so. Was it was it Diekman who did it? I think. Yeah. I looked at that play and I was like, because speaking of little league and right, this, yeah, you know, you know, I was just, it's just funny how that all wound up. But 
Anyway, thought I'd bring that up. Yeah, but now, <laughs> so I guess I guess the question is, is there anything else that we want to dive into with regard to this story that might help our listeners oh, get a better... Yeah, I guess I kind of screwed the pooch on that. That's okay. <laughs> we all have a trouble I just, humaning. I just thought of that. I thought we were done with, with that. We don't have story. anything else. We were done. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Bye. <laughs> All right, so that wraps that, huh? To 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 really put the finishing touch on that, we look forward to your uh, your your comments and yes. your voting on this because this is a tough situation. Yeah, and uh, we'd lo- we'd love for everybody to get involved. So, and we'll go over it the results in the next episode. Next episode, yeah. Great. So, uh, check out the the polls that we will put up so you can vote one way or the other. Uh, if you'd like to offer some comments, you can do so on the social media platforms, facebook.com slash OSIP Foundation or Twitter at OSIP Foundation, hashtag how you play the game, uh, or email us, podcast at OSIPFoundation.org. We, we want your comments on this, whether it's about any story or about this story, get involved, because I'm, I'm really curious to know what people would have done in this situation. Oh, yeah. I want to know your call. So... That's about it, especially since we said bye already. Yeah. Um, but uh, thank you, Sean, and uh, I'll let you thank return you. to the bathroom now. Great. So, I have to go. There you go. <laughs> so um, that wraps this, and I uh, look forward to hearing from everybody. And until next time, treat each other with respect. How You Play the Game is a production of the OSIP Foundation, Incorporated. The producer-engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by SoundSpring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osafoundation.org. If you're interested in advertising on How You Play the Game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org.